And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation that I'm hoping helps your business grow. Now, we've had a lot of episodes in the past about marketing and basic marketing, digital marketing, marketing strategy, marketing, marketing, marketing. All right. So look, the basics of marketing are there and something we've discussed. But, you know, there's a whole nother tier and level to marketing, often referred to as growth marketing. That is that next tier. And that's what we're going to get into today. And before we get too far into it, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. I am probably going to get our guest's name wrong. I've been practicing. However, I do not speak French. But with us today, we have Guillaume Dumorcher, fantastic, the founder and CEO of the of the Growth Concierge. Did I oh, get you it? You got it. Thank you. You made my day. Yes. Yes. It's two weeks of the Duolingo French app in preparation for this episode, but I'm just kidding about that. I, I did have to get some some rehearsal there. Now, now Guillaume is is the CEO. I mentioned the founder and CEO of the Gross Concierge. He's, he's with, joining us today from Palo Alto, California. He does a lot of stuff to help well-established companies get you know gain gain additional traction accelerate their growth transform their marketing organization and to efficient growth teams and as i mentioned there's a sec- there's a next tier that you're going to have to get to if you really want to scale into a bigger broader marketing organization or just to grow your company gear Guillaume, welcome to start thank you matt thanks for having me I appreciate it. Now, before we get too far in, let's get a little bit about your backstory. If you want to share with us a, about what you've done and what you're doing, I think that'd be great. Well, sure. Well, so the French side is uh, is done. So, um, I've <laughs> so no, I'm close to 40 years old and I've been in the U.S. Uh, close to half of my life. It's been 15 years in Silicon Valley. Um, I'm a marketing practitioner by, uh, I would say, academic because I've graduated from a business school, but from a traditional marketing standpoint. So we're looking about, you know, those fast consumer goods products, um, been working at L'Oreal, at Red Bull, uh, Rekit, Ben Kizer, so that's the household uh, cleaning products. So uh, that's where I come from. And 15 years ago, I've been lucky enough to, to become an expat in Silicon Valley for the equivalent of your AT&T, the French AT&T called Bouygues Telecom is another interesting French name to pronounce. Uh, and I've been and arrived in 2007, right? Defining year when the iPhone number one has been introduced and when, when the, um, you know, the entire focus on technology and services and new models and new paradigms were shifting from Asia and namely Japan to Silicon Valley. And I've been lucky enough to be there. And 
So that's kind of before Silicon Valley and during my time in Silicon Valley. So I've been, uh, you know, the scout of new technologies for this French telco. And uh, and I always say it's been uh, it's been 15 years. I'm here for three years, meaning that I was supposed to go back after three years. Uh, but, you know, when you're in Silicon Valley and you meet that many entrepreneurs that that put sparkles in your eyes and uh, and speak about their product like their their first newborn child well you, you say okay that that sounds interesting to to become an entrepreneur let, let let's go to the other side of the fence right and the rest of my journey in silicon valley has been to go into the tech side of the world while trying to bridge this back to marketing and long story short i've been building the growth team of a of a big uh, of a big tech company called Algolia. I've been consulting for a lot of um, big groups, mostly Europeans, that were trying to go uh, innovation shopping in Silicon Valley. Uh, and also being a mentor in marketing for many acceleration programs for startups. So yeah, I, I've seen a lot of different entities, uh, different dynamics, but the, the common denominator is a uh, that marketing is always botched. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you're right about that. You know, it's uh, no one will tell you they're great at marketing more than people trying to do marketing. It's the same, same thing goes with sales. I talked to at 100% of salespeople I talk to are great salespeople, which just doesn't add up mathematically. Now, but if you guys are interested in, in learning more about uh, uh, it, the growth concierge, then go to the growth concierge.com. <laughs> now, one of the things that, you know, I, I I'm at your site and I've looked at some different stuff and, uh, under your services, you mentioned digital plumbing. <laughs> and I think that's a great place to start because there's the, the, the stuff that you have listed here. And I'll, I'll let you get a little more into that, but there is a lot of plumbing that does need to be installed in the modern growth marketing campaign. So, you know, let, let, let's just start there. Cause I think that without, cause without, I always, you know, I talk to a lot of people that want to build something and, and I, you know, especially with like an app or something, I say, look, it's going to feel like it starts slow. Cause there's a lot of plumbing and framing that needs to be done, which aren't the sexy parts of building the castle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but so I think it's a good place to start. So what is digital well, plumbing? So digital plumbing, it's one of these very aspects that differentiates growth marketing today from the traditional marketing that we used to have uh, 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. So digital plumbing is the idea of being able to track and measure absolutely everything that comes from your marketing efforts with a twist because those analytics are not product analytics, right? So uh, the goal of marketing is to bring people at the door, right? And the people go into your shop. I mean, I'm taking um, an analogy here. So you have this uh, this man that is uh, yelling at you in front of the, sh the, the shop, is trying to get you at the door of the shop and better yet for you to visit the shop in a pre-COVID world, right? And um, the technicality of the plumbing means you need to be able to track every single source where people are coming from. You need to be able to measure that that very click when they're submitting their, their form, uh, you can count and read it on Google Analytics or another analytics service. You need to make sure that you're tracking pixels from the different ad platforms, be it 
a Google tag, be it a Facebook pixel, a LinkedIn uh, tag. You need to make sure that everything is articulated so you have your funnel mapped, right? So it's one thing to design the funnel and design the steps, but more importantly, you want to be able to measure it at every stage of the way. There's a, a common saying, I say, you are what you measure, right? So if you can't measure the ultimate outcome um, and the ultimate conversion or transaction on, a, on your bios journey, then you're missing the entire point. And more than ever, um, the algorithmic part of campaigns, be it paid or be it organic distribution of your content, it plays a major role, especially for retargeting, remarketing those people. So, yeah, if I summarize, so it's it's your technical foundation to make sure that everything is on your radar, geared towards making sure that you have mapped your buyer's journey correctly. And I mean, like, like you said, it's impossible to track and see where progress is, is coming from without doing that. Now, um, I oftentimes uh, play the layman when it comes to the, the show and, you know, a lot of what he's talking about, oh, you know, seven or eight years ago, it was a little, it was a little bit more of a pain in the butt to install some of this stuff on your site. Uh, the world of technology has accommodated that. I mean, a lot of people just have like a WordPress site or something like that. And there's widgets that'll help you install. These are just little snippets of code that go on your page or in different spots. They can be installed. I mean, even things like Facebook has Pixel and Google has tags and there's a whole lot of different stuff. Now, the reason that, that that's important and uh, as you get layers and layers and levels deeper in your marketing uh, growth, uh, you can really pinpoint uh, you know, where things are coming from, because it's one thing to look at a Google AdWords campaign and you can see what people are clicking. You're like, wow, that gets that keyword gets a lot of clicks and they're not expensive. Well, the real question is, is do all those clicks turn into anything that matters? Because I've actually had situations where prior to installing tracking, I looked at a couple things and I said, wow, this really looks like it's effective and it's cheap. And then we installed tracking and realized that it never led to a conversion, thus making it the most expensive thing on the dashboard, not the most effective. And it's very easy to get and that's another thing too is you know most most with all of the different types of digital uh, marketing out there, uh, you can get your, your streams crossed very quickly if you're not tracking it. So now I have a question though, because one of the things is some things are really difficult to track and you look at something like, because these, these tracking mechanisms, like for example, if I did an Instagram ad and I let it straight to the Apple podcast page, um, at that point, Apple's not letting me put a tracking code on their podcast page. So what's your advice for certain things that have kind of a dead end when it comes to tracking? So it's a very good question because it, it revolves around, you know, what you can't control and what you can't, okay? Typically, and another example would be you have this great article about your company on CNN.com, but you don't want to spend money to send people, or maybe you want, but if you want to remarket this audience, how do you do? So I have two answers for that. The first one is the good, the good old UTM tracking parameters. I don't know if Apple Podcast gives you the the, ref, the breakdown of the referral traffic from where the people come visit your podcast page. A little bit the same way they do with the the App Store. 
uh, well, that's a shame. But uh, podcast analytics are, are, are something, it's a, it's a hot topic, and uh, I know a lot of actors are already you know, pumping that. So UTM parameters, um, so podcast would be, uh, it's, it's, it's an edge example because, uh, because of that. But I have the, the second solution will, will help you. Um, so UTM parameters is basically you add to the URL, so example.com slash your page. You want to add those little pieces of code with a, a question mark, source equal, uh, and, a, and a string that has source, medium, content, and all the stuff that you can add. So this helps you mark whoever clicks on it, the, the source, the medium of that, uh, of that traffic. Then you can read it back on Google Analytics. And, many, and basically all the analytics tools. Because the UTM format is, as it says, it's universal. And that's the, it exists, it's been there for a long time, but more than ever, it serves to, um, to really gives clarity to, to attribution and where the traffic comes from. So that's one. But I'm sure your listener will, will love the second solution, which is a little bit more elaborate. So when you can't control the destination page of where you want to take your users, there are a couple of tools that are super interesting because they allow you to inject, literally inject the pixels within the URL. So what does it mean? Let's go back to the example of the, the article about your company on CNN.com. Well, imagine it's, it works like a URL shortener, like a bit.ly, but instead it adds scripts that bears any pixel that you attach to it. So for all of the sudden, if you shorten this URL, so the, 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 core, the, the, the name of the tool is called pixelme.me. So pixelme.me. That's where you're going to find it, which basically allows you to inject your trackers within a URL. And what it does, so now you're able not necessarily to go after the people who ended up downloading the page, but you can narrow down this pool of people to the people who actually have clicked on that very URL. And the trick is you create a custom audience of the people who have exactly visited that URL. Does it make sense? It does. And it's, I mean, that's, it, by the way, I always like to look up acronyms when we use them. I did not realize that UT, I knew, I knew what a UTM was and that, okay. A UTM is if you ever like, say you click an ad on Facebook and you go to sample.com and when you get there, it's actually sample.com forward slash. And then it's got like a gazillion <laughs> 40 characters. Yeah, yeah, like it looks like a serial number or something, but the U UTM is the Urchin Tracking Module. Um, that's interesting. Named apparently named after a creature of the sea. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, that's and, and these trackings. It's like I said, some of the stuff can get kind of complex. Some of it's really straightforward. Um, and you know, the, the, some of this stuff's really, really easy because I think a lot of people uh, start with something simple like a good old uh, blog you know, a blog article and that stuff, put in, put in tracking code, you can literally follow someone around your website and see what their path is. 
into you know being successful now it does get a little bit more complex if you have like a software as a service type product and you have to track them all the way to seeing whether or not they become a paying user uh things like tracking whether or not they sign up for a trial is a little a little more straightforward but some of that and that's once again this is why a lot of companies hire people like the growth concierge to try to help them demystify some of this. Um, you know, the thing that, that uh, on a lot of this stuff, it depends on the, the depth and how broad your marketing campaign is, but a lot of the stuff you only need to get it set up and get it right once. And you've got a pretty good idea and it does require tinkering, but you know, like I said, if, if it's something that you, uh, you have a pretty straightforward solution for, it's, it's pretty easy to deal with. Okay. So yeah, I had to kind of get in to the, the, uh, what was digital plumbing now? I mean, a lot of this, um, and you know, on your site, you're, you're listing digital strategy, social media, advertising, SEO, content strategy, Google ads, web development, and, and digital plumbing. So you guys do a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I, I'm curious, and this is this is a preference thing. Um, so a lot of us that are, you mentioned being 40, I'm 45. So at one point, Google Analytics was about the only thing out there. Um, do you prefer that over stuff like Pixel or do you use both? So for me, there are two, uh, you need to make the, the difference between a session-based analytics tool and a people-based analytics tool, right? That's fundamental because Google Analytics is session-based, meaning you cannot drill down to the exact user and kind of rebuilding the journey of that user. And the notion of session is very, uh, it's, a stat it's a statistical aggregate, you know? Uh, Google Analytics is not giving you 100% of the user. It gives you an extrapolated view of, um, of your metrics. And the, session, the difference between session and individual is very important because imagine I, I, I'm browsing on, uh, on, on the on said website, I have a phone call, I stand up, uh, take, it was a five minute uh, phone call, I go back. Well, Google Analytics will count me as two sessions and one user. Okay, uh, but people-based analytics like Heap or Mixpanel will, will count me as one user and will take me as the starting point of the entire journey, as opposed to uh, a Google Analytics giving uh, the entire overview. Uh, I think there is a reason why Google Analytics has more than 80% of you know, product market fit answer, you know, that infamous question like, how much would you be disappointed if Google Analytics would disappear when 80% plus is, is the answer? So you can argue that they have product market fit. Uh, I think it's very important to keep Google Analytics as a main in order to be able to talk to anybody in the company. Because at the end of the day, everybody, anybody in the company will go back to Google Analytics and maybe the product people will have their own analytics environment with different tools. The marketers will have their own setup. Uh, I think Google Analytics does a good job of you know, bridging the entire company and the different business units. With that said, it only works with the prerequisite of having the foundations right. And to your point, you know, the most important asset that you can build from a marketing standpoint for your company is an infrastructure that talks that that is robust uh, and that's not necessarily heavy, but that is what you need for the now, as opposed to having everything and just figuring out what what you're going to use today or this week or this month. 
So you work with everything from early stage startups to large corporate companies. How do you, what, how is your approach different for an early stage company as opposed to when you were, you know, you mentioned like having worked with L'Oreal or and, and different companies in the past. Like how do you, how is your approach different for early stage as opposed to someone that's well-established or perhaps ha- already has an existing, like you use the word robust a company that has a robust marketing team already. So, so the, 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 there's the question of format and how you deliver the knowledge. That's very important uh, for enterprise as opposed to uh, to, to, to smaller companies. Um, I, I think the main difference lies into the fact that early stage companies are very hungry and eager to do stuff. So the cycle is very, very fast. They want to test. They want to iterate. They have this inherent mindset of uh, testing and learning and uh, and adjusting. Um, bigger companies, they need to realign the knowledge. It's more necessarily, okay, what's new in the marketing world? How do we upgrade you know, the framework uh, with which we're looking at marketing? What are the new tools and trends, of course? But more importantly is how do we organize our teams better? And my mission as the growth concierge is today's marketing in the big companies, marketers are, are, are better brief managers and project managers than their real true marketers because the knowledge is being held at the agency level. And outsourcing all your, a lot or an amount of your marketing efforts into agencies is basically... You know, moving away the moving the knowledge, the marketing knowledge away from the company, and my goal is to re-internalize that knowledge within the companies. So for early stage companies, is to build from the ground up the concept and the foundations of what marketing is, and for bigger companies, is to realign the concept. But more importantly, how do we become a, a learning machine, a marketing learning machine again? So one of the things that is common is, you know, you, you talk about that early stage company as opposed to, you know, you're just trying to gain traction and you want to scale your marketing campaign. It's pretty common to start with small campaigns and small budgets that, um, you know, you keep in mind that you have Google or whoever serving ads to people. And it's one, you, you can create a lot of plans and assumptions based on some of this early marketing data and then quickly become surprised that when you will go from spending a small amount of money and then I'm talking like a couple hundred bucks a day uh, to thousands that all of a sudden your, your results fall off a cliff um, largely because the cost of ads, there, there's a point of, of uh, diminishing returns uh, that it's, it's, you know, the, there's scalability to your marketing campaigns the same way that there might be. And more specifically, you know, when you're trying to, you can be so targeted with things, but the problem is, is you can be so targeted with things, meaning like there's such a finite audience of people that can see it, that if you need to boost these ads up to a large scale audience, they ob- op- oftentimes can't occur, which the result leads to, um, planning for growth and sales and revenue results that become not possible based on the budget. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've encountered this. Um, how, how do you work around that? So, 
scalability is obviously one of the, the hottest topics, especially for companies who are close to Series A. So they got some traction, they got some revenue in, they received some external funding. So now they're here to hire and expand. Okay. Um, so there are two ways and so two things. The first good news is all the platforms where you can deploy ads, paid ads, namely, they tend to become the same from an approach perspective, meaning you start with a goal, then you create an audience. So the flow is the same. So Facebook paved the way early 2010s to 2015 for the rest of, of the platforms. So if you take a look at Snapchat ads, it's the, almost quite exactly the same as Facebook ads. So I'd say the platforms have done a good job making it easier for people to invest in different platforms. So one, the first answer would be don't remain channel dependent. You know, having a business on Facebook, Instagram is not having an acquisition strategy. You're just channel dependent. So one thing is, okay, what, what are the other channels out there? And it was a very interesting conversation uh, in July when you, there was this uh, Facebook ad boycott. Everybody suddenly realized, oh, wow. So everybody's jumping ship from, from channel where do I go? Yeah. Well, you need to go where the attention is. And uh, I'm borrowing this from, from, from Gary Vaynerchuk. I, I, I like from a lot of, uh, of reasons, but you need to go where the attention is. And if the business attention is on LinkedIn, there's no question about the price of the ad since your core audience is there. So you need to make an educated uh, selection about, okay, where is my audience where is the attention of my uh, target audience? The second thing is, um, those ad platforms, they almost require a PhD in software navigation in just for, for, for building and crafting those campaigns, right? Um, and the second, uh, so the, the second point would be Facebook mainly, but all the platforms, they put you on autopilot mode. So they say, hey, you should use, you know, controlled budget optimization because we do the work for you. Or you should go automated placement because this is, uh, we, we do the job better. And it's true. When you start, you need to let the, the, the algorithm do their job. But there are two ways to, um, to improve those ad accounts, and especially when you increase the amount of, um, of money you spend is you want to make sure that you increase good traffic, so converting traffic, but it means reducing traffic that is too costly for you, meaning that you place a higher bid uh, on two, but that doesn't bring any conversion. So I would say the next level of scaling those campaigns and ad accounts is to go into the very fine details and ad structures and ad account structures on how you deploy campaigns. I'm going to give you one example for e-commerce. You know, in e-commerce, you would do one campaign for awareness, one campaign for nurturing, and maybe one campaign for conversion. You know, nurturing conversion can be the same. So we'd have three different campaigns with different optimization goals. One would be maybe for landing page view. The second one would be for an add to cart or initiate checkout. And the third one would be for an actual purchase. Well, the idea of, uh, of creating a, a smart pipe is to actually blend into the same campaign 
in the first ad group, you have a general generic interest group that is that goes very broad. And within the same campaign, you add an ad set that is dedicated to remarketing, meaning that within the same campaign, you have an auto-nurturing of the pools of audiences that you're dealing with. So that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is to go after the the bidding cap and the, the system that allow you to put filters. You know, you may have 100 bucks to spend per day, but you're only interested in having a return on ad spend of, with a, multi, an, a 3x. Well, you can input that uh, information in the parameters and all of the sudden, well, you'll have less distribution, less velocity, less impressions, but you'll have better traffic. So that's going to help the system increase you know, the, the, the value point system that they have for your account and to increase and give you access to more inventory and favor your ads as opposed to, hey, here is a merry-go-round ticket, Facebook. The more I'm going to increase, the more I'm going to, the more I'm going to ride the roller coaster, right? Which is not what you want. This is a counterintuitive. The, the more you want to scale, the more refined you need to be. And the more duplicate you need to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, and what you're talking, you know, with uh, with the auto placement of ads, uh, you know, in the past, I've I've warned people to be careful with that too, because uh, there are some platforms that, oh, in my opinion, they like to they like to let you spend some money up front, and then they magically get better. And yes, that's an algorithm working, but. Um, you do have to be a little careful with that. A lot of these, a lot of these platforms are set up to want you to add as many keywords as humanly possible. And that's not always the best option. What your approach, one of the things that I've liked and I've found success with the past is you talk about running. All right. So you take like Instagram or Facebook, which they have, oh man, you don't realize how many different places the, both those, both those platforms serve ads until you go to place an ad. Cause you have search, explore stories, uh, the right column, uh, in group feeds in article feeds and uh, in partner networks and all these different stuff. And you go, wow. But one of the things is, is if you're kind of, and I, you know, test, 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 those are the first three words you need to know in marketing, but a good way to test it is to run a small budget, let them do their auto placement. And you start to see some results about where things are coming. Like for example, on Instagram, you, it'll serve your ad a number of different places and you can start to see what the cost per click is for showing on Instagram explore, as opposed to the feed, as opposed to stories and stuff like that and give you a little bit of an idea and then maybe target it a little bit more afterward and, and create it the way that you want it. But people never, comment on yeah, that? people never, never do that. You know why? Because there are so many placements with format requirements. You know, if you want to cover all the bases on Facebook, Instagram, you need to have at least three or four variations of the same content. You need to have the, the vertical one. You need to have the, the square one. You want to have the, the panel one, the panoramic one. So, I think it's more about, okay, I do with what I have and, you know, and, and those kind of details also elevate a campaign with another one, meaning that setting up a campaign is easy, you know, regardless of all the detail, the, the, the fine tuning of, of things, because if you have a content, then the system will adapt. If you, if you give a square picture, then the square picture is going to be expanded toward it for the vertical format. 
But if you take the time to make it stellar and crisp at every for every placement, then you're just giving yourself an extra shot at, at being more uh, relevant and and you know driving more conversions. Um, I think what people need to understand and is like you mentioned partner network, all the audience networks. Uh, pieces of all the ad platforms is what is giving pulse, false positives all the time. And I entice all the people that are listening to go in the breakdown of their campaigns and take a look at the platforms and the placement uh, where where the ad has been, has been placed. Because oftentimes you'll see that the audience network is being favored because of low CPMs. And remember guys, you know, all ad platforms, they are not, it's not about the cost per click. The cost per click is just a resulting data right what you're paying on an ad platform is cpm is the price for a thousand impressions across the board any platform right the C- the cpc the cost per click is just the f- the result of the cpm the costs you need to pay to reach a thousand of your target audience factored by the absolute performance of your ad so the click-through rate and what you want to look at is not the click-through rate is the link click-through rate, which is another nuance on how to properly read your, your performance. You know, a click, click-through rate, when you look at the ads on Facebook, it's, it, it's anything from I clicked on your profile picture, on your page name, on this uh, read more. All those clicks are factored in into the CTR, which is a bias again. So you want to remove that bias by looking at the link click, which is the, the actual ratio click-through rate of the people who, who clicked on the button of your ad, which is how you, you're going to gauge intent, right? And the relative performance of your ad. I'll give you a real, uh, a real world example. And I'll do that right after I remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and effectively. Now, what you're talking about is, you know, your, your goal is to convert. And that, I mean, that's it. And, you know, one of the things it's, it's funny, because if you listen a lot, you've heard me say this before. It's, I talk to people all the time. This, well, I tried paid ads and they didn't work and said, well, what do you mean they didn't work? Well, I, I had a whole bunch of clicks, but no one bought anything. Nothing converted. I said, well, the ad did its job. It got people to click. You might want to examine what happened on the other side. Do you have the click. plumbing and right? I have well, a first, real... Do you have the plumbing right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Right. So, you know, an, an example before we hooked up analytics is we did some uh, a couple early ads for this podcast. And we'd say, oh, wow, we were getting clicks for 40 cents a piece. And we were leading people to a little link tree that said, do you want to listen on Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, stuff like that. Now, those, those, ad, the price of the ads seemed very affordable, the clicks did, until we realized that only one out of every four visitors made it past the link directory. Mm-hmm. So an example was, but it, it, we did a different ad and instead, okay, so for example, if you click certain things on Instagram or Facebook, they're going to say, are you sure you want to leave Instagram or Facebook? Because that'll be a terrible decision. Why would you ever want to leave here? Which is basically what they're saying, which stops a lot of people from actually leaving. Now, for example, if we only showed, uh, we, well, 80% of people listen to podcasts through the podcast app on Apple. That's, that's just what our analytics show. So if we only, so it's fair to assume that a user on an iOS device 
meaning an iPhone, may listen through the podcast app, which you can open with one click and not get that, are you sure you want to leave message? So while it would cost us twice as much to find a person to click on an iOS device, we it's actually half the price because a 40 cent click that took four of them to get someone through is really a dollar 60, not 40 cents. It's that you talk about those phantom metrics and those things that, you know, like with the audience or partner network. And I've never been a big fan of the audience and partner network ads that uh, run everywhere because uh, there's uh well, there's just a lot of info out there that, okay, look, whoever owns those sites and those partner networks, uh, they, they benefit greatly from people clicking those ads. And there's a lot of opportunity for, uh, I don't want to just throw the whole industry under the bus, but there's, there's been a lot of impropriety in the past. Um, and being someone that works in the tech industry, I realize it's not very, it wouldn't be very difficult to, to click the ads on your own site. Um, in many different ways and stuff like that. And there's, and, and you know, and, and that's, that's why I, I don't have a ton of faith in some of those. Um, now some people do well with them. It's a good way to get your ad out to a bunch of different sites and different stuff, but, uh, those are a little general. So, you know, it's, uh, it's really, like I said, you got to really take an, ex you know, look at the metrics and see, where things are stopping because and and once again the click itself is not the win uh it does show that this the the, the job of the ad is to get clicked and what you do after is a whole nother thing and that's where by, by the way that's where most people fail because they take them to a shitty landing page or something like we did like i don't know just something that the more steps the worse See, you, you know you want to remove steps as much as possible Exactly, and uh, you know, let's let's say in the Facebook as well. You know, that's the main difference between you know creating a traffic campaign as opposed to a conversion campaign. Conversion campaign is going to rely on your on your pixel events and your custom conversion that you have created, right? If you're on e-commerce, it's going to be very standard. It's going to be add to cart, initiate checkout, uh, purchase. If you are SaaS, it's going to be you know free trial, signed up, uh, activation, whatnot. Um, at the end of the day, uh, the um, the attribution is uh, is what you to what you want to look at. But the traffic, the the main pitfall, for instance, when people use a traffic campaign, Facebook gives you what you ask them. So traffic or clicks. There is one way to avoid that, and I'll give it to you. So you were talking about you know directory page. So if you make sure that you create a custom conversion that is has viewed the directory page. And now you create a conversion campaign and you make sure that it is optimized for that custom conversion of viewing the directory page. You're telling the system, hey, I don't care about the people who click and don't show up on my website. I only care about the people who actually viewed that directory page. Okay, so that's granted that you have all your custom conversion uh, mapped. If you don't have all those custom conversion maps, you still can optimize for a proper view of your website. And is when you create a click and traffic campaign, you want to optimize for landing page views. You don't want to optimize for clicks. You want to optimize for landing page views. Again, it's another example of all those little variations that you can find along you know, the campaign creation on Facebook, but that make a ton of difference at the end of the day. 
With me today, Guillaume Dumortier. I'm getting better yeah. at that. I'm getting better. I'm trying. He's still cringed a little bit. I could see him a little <laughs> bit, um, it, which which is okay. Now, Guillaume is the CEO and founder of the Growth Concierge, and thanks for weighing in on different levels of scalable marketing. And you know, there's once again, if you're a startup hustle listener, we've got a lot of content overall about marketing, and I'm trying to to find different angles and different stuff. And today's, I mean, this is something we haven't talked about a lot in the past is, is where to find the scalability in the ad campaign. Now, before you even need to worry about that, you need to get the basics right. So that, that's a good place to start. Uh, we end our episodes of Startup Hustle with the Founders Freestyle, and we'll get to that in a second. I do need to mention one more time that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. Much like the growth concierge can help you with marketing, we can help you build a software team. There you go. There was a custom. That was customized just for you, Gail. <laughs> Thank you. So. Uh, now, now, and the founders freestyle as founders, and you are the founder of the growth concierge, scroll down, click the link in the show notes, go to the growth concierge.com. What's the best advice that you can give any founder when it comes to growth marketing? Success is a failure gone wrong. What does it, so I'm saying again, expand on that. <laughs> so success is a failure gone wrong. It means that. Marketing is not a super wizard that's going to make or break the company. It's an ally. It's a soldier. Uh, but the default mindset of marketing is everything that you're going to do is going to fail. It's okay for it to fail as long as you learn from it. And the more you're going to learn, the more you're going to be able to refine, go deeper, adjust. And at the end of the, at the, end of the day, you're going to win. You're going to have some wins. So the mindset should be don't build your marketing campaigns so that they are going to be the most talked about or to, they're going to be the next viral thing. Just, you know, consider they're going to fail, but make sure that you have a learning system around that. And to, was it good enough? Um, I'm, I mean, I think it's a, a wonderful take on, on I love that success is a failure gone wrong because it really is. Um, I got to admit, I haven't heard it really put that way. So I, I, I do like that, that phrasing. I mean, I think overall when it comes to marketing and, you know, like I, I've said that there's three words you need to know, test, test, test. And I have yet to find a marketing professional that disagrees with, with the testing part. And, you know, you got to try a lot of different stuff. And I tell people when it comes to our own marketing, I'm looking for a crack. And when I find it, I try to shove an elephant through it. And, you know, that's really what you have. There's so many different things. You got to just kind of, you know, do a lot of different stuff. And, and, you know, there's, if you, if you don't feel like you're a marketer, then you got to find someone that, that is in the business. And, you know, the, there is a degree of complexity and simplicity to modern marketing. I mean, it's very easy to quote, boost a post. And to and spend the easy ten dollars that they put right in front of you. Honestly, that's probably the worst way to target your audience, because uh, you're just kind of like saying, "Sure, I'll take anything." Um, but you know, if you if you spend a little time and get in and figure out, like, it, it it can really help. You know, the the ability to target different people and different audiences, it can really help you learn a lot about your own product. Uh, 
And, you know, I, I learned a lot about what I, as the founder of Gigabook, I learned a lot about the businesses that really were out there looking for what we were selling because we created specific ads that were targeted to specific industries. And we said, oh, wow, there's a whole lot of plumbers looking for appointment software or different stuff. And, and it can kind of, it can begin to shape your design or approach to servicing different industries. So marketing is, can be a lot more than just finding a click, finding an ad, finding a visitor. It can really let you know a lot about demand and also sometimes the value, like uh, are, am, I, am, I, am I about to jump into a pool full of sharks? Because some industries are so ridiculously competitive you look at like lead generation and stuff like that. I mean, there's companies that pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a lead. And if you're going to find yourself competing in that stuff, you're like I said, you're going to be jumping into a pool, pool full of sharks. Did you have another comment? Yeah, I mean, just to wrap this up, I fully uh, agree with what you just said. Um, I think it's about testing with a plan, like, you know, testing, testing. And what's often missing is the plan that goes behind the, the test. And I'm going to leave you with, this growth marketing fit approach that echoes the product market fit uh, approach, uh, but apply to marketing. And there are four pillars if you want to nail growth marketing. The first one we talked about in the beginning, it's digital plumbing, get everything you know, connected, wired, mapped. The second pillar is audience message fit. How do you make a message resonate to the right audience. So how do you recreate your target audiences in the different platforms? And how do you dynamically test the different messages against those different audiences? So audience message fit. The third pillar is content intent fit. You don't want to give a 50% discount at the first touch and first encounter with a potential buyer. So you want to understand the journey, the questions that your buyer has and create content around that. And a, a big topic is called search listening. Uh, you know, the tools like Answer the Public where you reverse engineer um, the Google queries was being searched. So that's very critical to understand um, how you can deliver value at the right level of intent. And the, the last pillar is conversion channel fit, meaning that Facebook, Instagram are gonna be great to build awareness, but it's gonna be shitty for conversions as opposed to maybe a Pinterest is going to be very interesting for the middle of the funnel and is going to bring some conversions, but it's never going to beat good old email or high-intent-based Google ads. So that's it. Growth marketing fit for you guys. Well, I love that. And I'm going to get back to failing so I can get a little bit closer to success gone wrong. So I'll see you next time. As long you as know. you learn, Matt, as long as you learn. <laughs> Bye, Matt. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.